Coming up on today's Locked On Senators, it is officially NHL Draft Month. You know we take that very seriously here on LOSP. We'll let you know a full rundown of our coverage going forward and our first player profile with, you guessed it, Connor Bedard. And as we continue to wait on Sen's ownership, I have some thoughts I want to get out there, Ross. Tick talk. It's now been over two weeks since final bids were submitted. All of this is brought to you by the FanDuel Sportsbook, the official sportsbook of Locked On. Make every moment more. Visit FanDuel.com slash Locked On today to get started. This is the Locked On Senators podcast. It's your team every day. Your Locked On Senators, your daily podcast on the Ottawa Senators. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm Jake Sanderson, and you're listening to Lockdown Senators Podcast. I'm Tim Stützle, and you're listening to the Lockdown Senators Podcast. Welcome inside episode 811 of the Lockdown Senators Podcast. I'm Ross Levitan on the outskirts of enemy territory in Winnipeg, Manitoba. Alongside Brandon Pillar up in the Blue Mountains, please like and subscribe wherever you download your podcast. We're also available on YouTube. You never know what's coming next here on Locked On Senators. That's why we want you to hit that notification bell so you know when new videos go live, like yesterday when we had the GM of the Ottawa Senators, Pierre Dorian, on the show. Today is Thursday, June 1st, Pilsy. Happy Pride Month. Happy Male Health Month. We've got plenty to get to, including... NHL Draft Month, the draft coming up at the end of the month in Nashville. I know the Sens are without a first, second, or third round pick, but Pilsy, that's just for now. Yeah, that's just for now. Like we said uh, when we had our chat with Pierre Dorian, he mentioned that, hey, it's because you don't have a pick in those drafts. It's not like the scouts put their feet up and they're like, ah, we don't have to worry about day one. We won't scout anyone from there. You never know what can happen on draft day. Trades can happen, and you might be put in a spot where you're drafting earlier than you thought. So always exciting leading up to the draft. You know what Pierre Dorian also told us? He's not afraid to make trades. <laughs> we know that. We know that. So there's plenty to get to. We'll get to our draft coverage, but compulsory as we start. Tick-tock, tick-tock, tick-tock. The time is continuing to roll. It's a wait-and-see I've almost reached the stage of apathy where it's like, hey, wake me up when this dilemma is over. Pick a group. Let's go. But Ian Mendez, who's been locked into this since day one of the of the sale, the sale usually means something is sold, but the sale process, <laughs> I'll go with. Uh, he said that we could find out in the next day or two that they've narrowed the ownership groups from four. So there's four. I feel like we're at a survivor final moment of the show where everyone has their candles and who's going to get their flame extinguished. Like, I don't know, man, I can only imagine how frustrating it is for the groups involved because from the outside, I know we don't have any, you know, ability to change what's going to happen, but it has to be frustrating. I mean, yeah, this whole process is frustrating. And look, obviously this isn't a small minor sale. This is a massive, massive deal. And NHL teams do not come up for sale very often. And you're talking about, a billion dollars potentially of a deal here. But the thing about this Ross is like, when do they need to say, okay, no longer can any new bids, any new offers, any new adjustments be made. Like at some point there has to be a time where they're like, 
final final offer like let's let's hear it like put everything you got in and that's it and we'll go from there because if you keep moving those goalposts it's never going to happen and the feeling i get from this and again i'm i'm not a business journalist i am not a business expert i'm just going off what things feel like and from my perspective is that the nico sparks group the key for them is to keep this going like the the longer they can keep this going the more people they can add to their group the more they can collect their funding the more publicity they can do whereas the other groups are like hey like i thought this was all supposed to be settled before but now the sparks group is adding so now we have to add and it's got to be frustrating because you're saying we've already put so much on the table we've already put more in than we thought we would and it's never ending so I just think at some point they have to put a stop to what can be added. And it just seems like we could get to a situation here, Ross. And this is what really scares me is that the other, the other groups, Ann Lauer, Stephen, Stephen A uh, and the Kimmel group, they're going to be like, okay, if this is going to continue, we're not interested because we can't keep putting more into this. So we're going to drop out. And from Ian's tweet, it seems like one of those groups may be doing that, whether it's them being dropped out or kind of eliminated from the process that remains to be seen. But the last thing I want here, Ross is, and and I'll just say this generally, not specifically to the sparks group, but the last thing I want here is for a group to be awarded this team by default. Like, I don't want this to be a situation where it's like, oh, well, all the other uh, bids were so frustrated by how long and, and ridiculous this process is. They've dropped out. You're the last one here for musical chairs for the owner of the sense. You get the team. Congrats. And it's like, well, do they deserve the team? Were they the best group to get the team? Not necessarily. They just were the ones that kept things frustrating and kept things going and kept pushing the timelines that eventually everyone else just left and they're the only ones standing. Like, I think that is, I don't want to say worst case scenario because that makes makes it seem like I I don't think one of these groups is competent enough or just not what I'm saying. But I want the owner of the Ottawa Senators to be awarded this team because they are the best group and they have the best plan and the best bid. So that's what I hope it comes down to. Yeah, not a matter of the meme that we use all the time, the verbal meme where the guy's celebrating, but he's in fourth, fifth place. Yeah, right? we, we don't want that to be the case. We want it to be the best group, not the one that lasts the longest. Yeah. For example, right now, war of attrition would be the way I'd call it. It's like, how long can you stay in the trenches without getting frustrated and just be like, I'm going to go shoot everybody myself. Let's go. Let's get out of this uh, bunker and let's, let's go. Right now, it's, it's a matter of hurry up and wait. And right now, that's what we have to do as well. I will continue to say, whoever owns the Ottawa Senators next, it will be the most stable and best ownership they've ever had before. So I think from that standpoint, they're in good hands. We heard Bruce Garriock mention yesterday that once the preferred bidder is in place, like the real deadline here, and we thought it was going to be just a week or two, but June 7th, the Board of Governors meet. They have to have a preferred bidder by then, right? Like, how can Batman look all the other owners in the eye and be like, hey, it's been a- almost a month at this, uh, when it is June 7th, that everybody has been bidding. How have they not come to an agreement within a month? I feel like other owners will have questions. And then what has to happen after the bank and the Melnick estate decide where this franchise they want to go, then... They're going to have to convince all two-thirds of the NHL Board of Governors that that's good for the league. And I think that usually that would just kind of be an easy step. 
But if owners around the league are like, why is this process taking so long? They're probably going to start doing their due diligence rather than just assume that, hey, if, if the league's okaying this, if the bank's okaying this, it has to be good, right? I feel like they, they might get curious and be like, I want to look into this group a little bit more, whoever is awarded this. So absolutely, I need to see the peeled back curtain version of this at some point in my life. I do believe that there's going to be some hard feelings. There, there already isn't. I believe it's the Kimmel group that is getting frustrated and may drop out or be, you know, kind of fight their way out of it. Like say, Hey, make a decision right now. Give them an ultimatum. Be like, Hey, yeah. we've waited this long. Is it us or not? Because these guys, you don't become a billionaire by not working. These guys have other things going on in their life. They can't consume. Like they've already consumed over 200 days. And it's like, Hey, these people get frustrated easily. And then if there's less than four groups in, guess what? The bidding war goes down. And then guess what? Then there's less of a of a of a battle. And then all of a sudden, like you said, it goes to the default. Well, and the thing too, Ross, is it's not like these guys are just, you know, businessmen that want to dip their toe in in the sports business. Michael Anlauer and the Kimmel Group have been minority owners in big franchises in the league, Montreal and Pittsburgh Penguins. Like those are huge, huge players in, uh, in the NHL. So they, they have a standard that they would expect to be upheld. And if it gets to a point where they're like, well, this is not how we thought NHL team sales would operate. We've been ownerships in part of them. We're we're out of here. Like this is really starting to look sketchy for us. We're not going to be a part of this. And the Kimmel group, literally was just a part of a sale. They sold to Fenway Sports Group. They're minority owners. And the rumor is they tried to buy the Penguins outright, but it just didn't work out. They end up selling to Fenway. So they have, as recently as 2019 or 2020, Mm -hmm. whenever that sale went down, they've seen the inner workings of how an NHL sale goes. So if they're worried, then that makes me kind of put my tinfoil hat on and say, well, they've been in the war room before. What's going on? So enough of that. People want to move on from it or or they're apathetic to it, kind of like me right now. I know we're going to have lots to break down. And again, we have to keep in mind that this will be a good thing for the Ottawa Senators when it's all said and done. Pierre Dorian told us yesterday he hopes two to three weeks was kind of his timeline. But And Ross, it's sad that that's, that's like something we can hold on to is 14 or 21 days from now, we might have an answer. Like that's that shouldn't be a positive. That should be like, it's going to take even more time. Like, oh my God. Maybe, just maybe. I don't think I can say the same for Connor Bedard coming to the Ottawa Senators, but it will be fun to look at what kind of player, generational player, the league is getting. Connor Bedard is good for the NHL, no matter where he landed. This is going to be awesome. I've got a couple live viewings under my belt, seeing him in Winnipeg over the last two years. So I'll get to that a little bit later. It's also NHL draft month. So what's our coverage going to look like? How is it going to be different with Ottawa not drafting in the top 10 at least on the way up to the draft for the first for time since we started doing this show. All that plus Kyle Dubas has become the president of hockey operations for the Pittsburgh Penguins. That's all coming up next. You're listening to Locked On Senators. Today's episode is brought to you by our friends over at FanDuel. They're the presenting sponsor of this episode, and they are America's number one sports book. Not number two, not number three, not number four. Numero uno. And for a good reason. All you have to do, if you guys have used any other sports betting apps, 
check out the FanDuel app and you'll be blown away. I know it's my favorite app to use. It's simple, safe, secure, easy to use. And they have so many fun options. I love the first to five shots. It gets, it just gets you into the game a little bit quicker than, you know, you're waiting for over under to hit or your money line or anything like that. First five shots. Let's see how it goes. So I love that about FanDuel. And if you're a new customer, you can get the no sweat first bet up to $1,000 in bonus bets back if your first bet doesn't win. So don't miss out on that opportunity. The finals are coming up. They're here. I can't wait. NBA and NHL. So yeah, go Nuggets for Ross's future. And you can make every moment more with FanDuel as well. If you go to FanDuel.com slash locked on, that's FanDuel.com slash locked on to learn more. Make every moment more with FanDuel, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. I'm even wearing my Nuggets blue. I got the same Nuggets colors on here. Shout out to Denver Nuggets. Let's go. Make me some money, please. Now, we're also brought to you by a company that I spend all my money on, and I wouldn't have it any other way. It's Shawarma Palace. Shawarma Palace has been riding with us for quite some time. <laughs> Long time. We love our friends at Chawarma Palace. They've actually grown since they joined us here on Locked On Centers. There's now seven locations in Ottawa. They are now open in the Saint Laurent Shopping Center food court. So you can go get them there. They're at the Carleton University food court. You, lo- if I had a Chawarma Palace at the College of Sports Media, oh god, every day, twice a day, I would even go on the days off to go get my Chawarma Palace. Well, Ross, we'd have garlic sauce all over all the editing studios and all over the cameras. All of it. We probably wouldn't have started the podcast because we would have been too busy hanging out at Shawarma Palace. So go to Shawarma Palace, any of their Ottawa locations. You can find them on Instagram, Shawarma Palace Ottawa, and make sure that you go check them out. And when you do, let them know Locked On Senators sent you. And also, you can order them on Uber Eats, exclusively on Uber Eats for delivery. So go check them out. Shawarma Palace, visit any of their seven locations. Eat like a royal. Eat at Shawarma Palace. All right, Pilsy. What a world. Good friend of the show, Send Central Citizen, Kevin Himena, just tweeted at us. Pierre Dorian on TSN 1200 today gave us a shout out. Yes. Thank you, Pierre. Which we've heard recently, but Pierre himself mentioning us by name. That's awesome. Yeah. yeah. And uh, I think uh, Pierre is more plugged into the Sens community than maybe Sens fans are aware of. So uh, it's awesome to hear that, uh, you know, he's, he's locked in to the locked on senators podcast. And a lot of people, the feedback that I was getting, like there's not many general managers around the league that would go on a show like ours. We don't even dot our, our lowercase J. We're not journalists. We're just, (laughs) we're just friends of the people. We're the show for fans by fans. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And but that's the thing. Like do you want you don't want it to be a us versus them thing like oh, we're we're the executives, the these uh, these lower common people don't know what they're talking about or we're not going to give them the time of day. Like that is especially Ross is a small market team. That is not how you should be operating. And I think the Ottawa Senators and Pierre Dorian and some of the higher executives are really starting to realize that. And look, it's not like, uh, talk about being journalists, it's not like we have a gotcha journalism style approach. Like we're not trying to catch Pierre Dorian saying something that we can uh, throw to the wolves or anything. Like all we're trying to do is bring 
his information and his insight to the people. And he even told us Ross before that he, he likes doing stuff like this because it allows him to give his side of things to the people. So yeah, shout out Pierre Dorian. And I think Ross, uh, I've even seen a couple people on Twitter kind of change their tune about Dorian a little bit after hearing him on our show being like, okay, like, you know what? Let's give Dorian uh, his fair chance and give him another year at this. I mean, like he's still the general manager of the Ottawa Senators. So unless anything changes, he will have that opportunity. And I believe he he deserves it. Yeah, I think so too. And if you only heard this interview he did with us, go check out the one at the start of the season. He was obviously in a great mood. <laughs> Tim Stutzland. Yep. That looks like a steal already. But shout out to uh, Pierre Dorian. Shout out to the Sense PR team. Uh, awesome yes. that we're able to have. It, it just... It makes me upset we didn't start this five years earlier because how fun would it? Obviously, Dorian's great. It's uh, good to get his insight, but imagine we could have gotten a chat with Brian Murray. Yeah, but Ross, I hate to say it, uh, the way ownership uh, ran that ship back then, I don't think we would have had that access. We're not a Toronto sports radio show. That's fair. We aren't. Although we were for... We were, yeah, sort of. Yeah, we, we were deep in enemy territory for uh, for our beginning, that's for sure. Yeah, I just got to tell uh, Peter O'Neill, too, because he's like outskirts of enemy territory, and he showed us a map because I needed to know where Winnipeg is on a map. Um, and I'd say Leaf territory goes right up to Kenora, like right up in northwestern Ontario. I, I mean, if anything, Ross, I'm on the outskirts of enemy territory uh, much more than you. At Collingwood is a Leaf town, let me tell you that. But So that's still the heart of enemy territory then. No, I mean the heart of enemy territory is GT. You're in, you're in conquered territory. Yeah, yeah, unfortunately. Yeah. I, hey, I'm working on things here. I'm getting some Sens fans uh, in the area. Don't you well, worry. We we told everyone about that flash deal the Sens did, and you took advantage of it. I did, yeah. I mean, uh, there's my reverse retro jersey, and uh, no nobody tell my nephew, but uh, I got him a youth one as well for Christmas, so keep that a secret. And I got yes. him... Christmas, yeah, I know, I know. I'm pl- you know me, I'm a planner. I'm planning ahead. Um, his birthday already passed, so that's why it's a Christmas one. Uh, and I got him a new hat. He wears his Sens hat 24 hours a day. So his old Sens hat is getting worn out. It's got the Senegoth logo on it. So I had to re-up for him. So we, we got a new hat for my nephew. Who's your nephew want the Sens to draft? Uh, he, uh, not going to lie, he loves Connor Bedard. He's six years old and... All he talks about is Connor Bedard, the Ottawa Senators, and uh, he he's convinced Bedard is going to the Senators. It's been tough for me telling him like like that's not how it works. And he's like, can they like trade for him? Well, I mean, probably not. But Pierre Dorian's not afraid to make trades. Pierre Dorian's not afraid to make trades, and we're not afraid to cover a draft that the Senators don't have a first, second, or third round pick. And and the reason for it, and what we've said before, we post these individual player profiles. They get lots of clicks on draft day. That's one of the reasons for sure. We're not going to hide behind that. Two, we love the draft. It's super cool seeing these kids living out their dreams and the uncertainty that your life is going to change no matter what. You could be moving to Montreal and having to learn French. You could be moving to Florida. You could be moving to Anaheim. Your whole life and your trajectory changes based on where you're selected at the NHL draft. So I love that for it as well. The theater, the drama, having it virtual was so rough because seeing like, oh, that GM was talking to that GM, he was talking there. So we're going to get into how our coverage is going on the other side of the break. But before we get to that, I'm convinced Kyle Dubas is the pettiest guy in the NHL now. Okay, why? 
because we had our theory that maybe he's waiting for the Sens ownership sale. I've heard nothing to it. and Yeah, but if <laughs> Ross, if he's Ross, waiting for the ownership sale, he doesn't have a job for the next couple of months. Well, that's the thing. But I can tell you that he was not attached to the Kimmel group. There's a lot of talk about that. Okay. I can confirm, at least from what I'm hearing, that uh, it was not scoops. the Kimmel group. Yeah, more scoops. That was so funny that everyone took that out of the show. Scoops. I love that term. Scoops. scoops. Uh, with that, um, nice I will say, why is he petty? Because it was reported that he was going to sign with Pittsburgh, like what, three days ago, give or take. And this is after he said, like, I'm going to take the year off, blah, blah, blah. That's fine. He got a better job. President of hockey operations. Big time. They made it official 25 minutes before Brad tree living's introductory press conference with the Maple Leafs. 25 minutes, dude. Nice. Yeah. I didn't uh, fully catch on to that, but yeah, that, that is great. And you know what? I think it's great for Kyle Dubas because a big reason why things didn't work out in Toronto, at least from my understanding, is everything he had to do needed to be approved by 12 different people. And by the time the game of telephone is done all the way to the top and then coming all the way back to him, I mean, it's too late. He's lost leverage and he's like, like, am I the general manager of this team or not? Like, do I get to make hockey decisions or am I just the face of this that has to go to the media? So I think uh, him getting a president of hockey operations job is is great for him. And you know what? It would have been a fun story for him to come to Ottawa. We know he's a Sens fan uh, and it, it's just nice to be able to kind of have that up against Leafs fans. But I think in the end, I, I'm glad he didn't just because I, I don't. I don't want the Senators to be the Leafs' little brother continuing going forward. Like, oh, the Leafs are done with him. Now we get our turn with him. Like, that's that's not the the vibe I want for the Senators anymore. So, in a way, I'm happy. I was gonna say we've been we've been that before. No, that's what I'm saying. Like, I like we gotta we gotta cut that. We gotta move on from that. Yes. To the draft. All right. On the other side, you're listening to Locked On Senators. <laughs> All right, Pilsy. Did I just play the same music for both breaks this show? <laughs> uh, you might have. Yeah, I think you did. I think you did. Dash one for me here. Yeah, you know what we need, Ross? We need, uh, we got to get the audio clip of DJ going, hit the music after uh, every goggle game. And that's when you, you do it. That I think that we got to get that worked in. You think it would be cool? Yeah, I think oh, it'd be cool. Man, I, I really wanted – I was trying to play something else there. That's really too bad. This is why we need a producer. We do. Not that you're not a good producer, Ross, but uh, you got a lot of things going on there. I'm just a pretty face telling jokes and getting math wrong. Hey, Guy, how good am I at producing? That's absolutely sick. Yeah, I'm absolutely sick. <laughs> so let's go. All right, draft month. The draft coming up in Nashville. Man, this would have been one of those fun drafts to attend, wouldn't it? Oh, Ross, I still will am harboring bad feelings about the fact we didn't get to go to the 2020 draft in Montreal. We would have had an absolute blast. Montreal in the summer, incredible, incredible. I know, almost as good as Ottawa in the summer. But that to say, (laughs) June 28th and 29th, we've already booked those off of our daytime jobs. Pilsy and I will be locked on the NHL draft. We might even just do a live stream for the whole draft and just come kick it with us. We, we haven't decided on that. Let us know how you want us to handle the draft and we'll, we'll see what we can do there. But yeah. in the lead up, Pilsy, do you want to run through kind of how we're going to do things? No more countdown, but we're still going to provide all the information from our 
cast of scouts that we trust when we're going online to look at things. We're going to do quote boards and all sorts of fun, kind of different ways of looking at these prospects. Yeah. So if you guys are, uh, if there's any new listeners to the Locked On Centers podcast that weren't uh, following along with us last off season or, or even past off seasons, this is episode 811. So we've had a couple off seasons here. Um, the way we did it in the past was we would rank the top 64 players, right? It was always in the 60s, right? Uh, 2020, I believe we did 90. Yeah. I mean, we had time to do draft profiles. So yes, we did a lot more then. Uh, but typically the first two rounds. And what we would do is we would take um, all the scouts that we love and trust. So uh, Elite Prospects, uh, Craig Button, Bob McKenzie, uh, Corey Pronman, Scott Wheeler. Am I missing anyone here? Chris Peters. And this year we're going to add Rachel Dory to yep. the mix with the hockey news. Uh, she brings more of an analytical approach to it. So we appreciate that. Absolutely. Yeah. So we would put all their numbers together and get averages for where these players averaged rank. And then we would do a full 64 ranked all the way to number one. And what we would focus on is, does this player fit what the Sens need or what the Sens like to draft? And we would try to tie it in with that angle. Now, again, anything can happen. Trades can happen. The Sens can get draft picks. We know that. But without a first, second, or third round pick this year, it's not likely that anyone we cover in the top 64 average ranked prospects is going to be selected by the Ottawa Senators. So instead of having hard and straight rankings and how would should the Sens draft these guys, it's going to be a little bit more, um, you know, we're just covering these guys generally, right? I mean, Ross, if you have anything to add, you can kind of, uh, you can kind of jump in here. But that's the difference from this year's draft coverage to years past. Oh, I think that's perfectly said. I think that we just need to let people know that we're still going to come at it from a Sen-centric point of view. And maybe in certain cases, it's like, oh, hope this guy doesn't go to a rival. Like we see a, a real high ceiling on this guy. But it's more so like these videos live forever. And one day, if one of them gets traded to Ottawa, yeah, true. any sort of deal, it'll be fun to be like, hey, what did we think of them? going into the draft and how are they different now than they were then so i do think there's a, a very good meaning to what we're doing but i think that it is important that we don't do a countdown this time we want to come out of the gate hot we want to come out with the top end of this draft i'd go so far as to say there's five not generational but five like first line like almost guaranteed first line talents but one of them might go as low as like 10 or 12 because he signed in Russia for the next three seasons. True. So there's that X factor in there. The others are all center. So the same position, like is Leo Carlson in the mix with Adam Fantilli, who just scored a ridiculous goal in the, in the uh, semifinal at the world championships. He's looking good too. And obviously the guy we're going to cover today. So the top end of this draft is so heavy with elite talent this is going to be a great draft. We've already we're going to have Scott Wheeler on the show eventually here, our friend of me, because uh, I saw you see he retweeted the Sense Prospects clip. Hey, you know what? Fair, like t- Scott takes takes a lot of crap, and he put, he literally put his money where his mouth is. He said, "I will bet anyone that uh, my my rankings will outperform the Senators' uh, draft picks," and he's he's collecting uh, tabs from those people that are like, "Oh no, you're wrong, Scott." So. That's that's fair. And look, I, I have nothing but uh, respect for Scott Wheeler. I know you like to to push his buttons a little bit more, Ross. But uh, I, I, I clip too. Yeah, and that's the thing. Like we, 
it's okay to have different opinions and feel like other people are wrong or maybe overvaluing or undervaluing things like that. That's the whole point of doing draft coverage. If everyone was just like, yeah, this is how this player is and this is how good he is, then like, what are we even talking about here? So I think it's healthy to have these discussions and uh, it's always good to hear from Scott Weir. Like whether you love him or hate him, one thing that cannot be denied is how knowledgeable and how much work he puts into this. 100% agree. So with that said, should we get to our uh, should we get to our first? Who's it going to be? Oh man. No, but I I really want to know and I feel like we should almost, you know, tease this a little bit further because who could be the next best young player in the National Hockey League. Well, I'm just going to watch this on the fly. This is what we do here on Locked On Senators because we are getting to the most important player we're going to discuss this whole show. Are you ready for it, Pilsy? Because we're once we get into the draft, we're, there's no there's no getting out of it. It's true, true. Yeah, I'm I'm ready. Let's dive in. Coming in at number one on our 2023 draft rankings. It's Connor Bedard. Connor Bedard from the Regina Pats. How's that for a little bit of a drum roll building the intensity? Who's it going to be? It's Connor Bedard, Pilsy, and it's really not close. And it's one of those, every time you think you know how good he is, you watch another highlight and you're like, how did he do that? Yeah, honestly, Ross, we were talking about it before the show and both of us were watching highlights and it's just like, like I was watching a highlight and I was like, oh, damn, like this guy's got a great backhand. Next highlight. Oh man, the dangles on this guy. Like he can get through three or four guys with ease. And then it's like, oh, what a shot from long range. What an amazing passing ability. Look at the skating ability on this guy. And it's just like, where does it end? Like how list all the attributes a hockey player could possibly have. And Connor Bedard not only has them, not only is good at them, but he's better than all his peers in almost every single category. It's insane how good this kid is. Connor Bedard playing for the Regina Pats in the WHL had 57 games played. Pilsy, how many, how many goals, how many assists? Walk me through that. <laughs> okay, let's do it. Connor Bedard with the Regina Pats in 57 games, 71 goals, not bad. 72 assists, also pretty good, for 143 points in the regular season. I mean, my God. So, is he too small to play in the NHL, Pilsy? That's the big question. Can he play center right away at 5'10", 185 pounds? This kid could be 4'3", 110 pounds, and he would excel in the NHL as far as I'm concerned. Like... The, the thing is, Ross, the only time size is really an issue is if you're getting bullied out there, is if it's easy for other teams to pick the puck off you or or you're, you're getting caught with your head down too often and they're able to line you up for a, a classic K-train hit or something like that. But he's just so evasive and so deceptive. And he's one of those guys, like, I, I think this this classic quote describes it best he's out there playing chess while everybody's playing checkers. Like he is so many steps ahead. He's so much smarter than a collective group of five guys on the ice that, yeah, people that are saying there's concern with the size, 
I, I don't uh, I don't buy into that whatsoever, Ross. The only thing I think it will affect early, and it does with every young player despite size, is I think he's going to be like a 35% face-off guy his first year. Okay, fair. I, I will uh, I will admit to that, but the, like... Who cares? Yeah, if he loses the face-off, he'll probably get it back pretty quickly. So I'm not really concerned. And it could be one of those situations where you get a Claude Giroux or Brady Kachuk on his line, a winger that has experience taking face-offs. He takes the draw and then boom, you, you go as usual. So he's, yeah, as I mentioned, a bit undersized, but he's the first WHLer to get exceptional status. That means he was playing in the WHL when he was just a, just a kid. So he was 15 years old, and he had 28 points in 15 games. Like, that's the type of player that you're looking at now. He Then he gets 100 in his second year, and then in five less games this year, puts up 43 more points, Pilsy. And this team finished seventh in the conference they were in, in the WHL, he was not surrounded by a whole lot of elite talent. He willed this team to so many victories. The amount of times he goes through three players, making it look easy. And the shot is lethal. The shot is his a plus attribute. And the story of how he got his shot to where it is, is super cool. I don't know if you heard this, but he had a wrist injury when he was a kid and he couldn't shoot for a certain amount of time. It was a matter of months. And if he did, the doctor said he could mess up a growth plate and it would affect him for the rest of his life. So he listened to the doctor, but he found an alternative. He went to the backyard and every day took thousands of shots with one hand on his stick. You know how strong you have to be to be able to snap it around with one hand on your stick at that age over and over and over again. And that's the thing with these freak athletes that you look at with the Connor Bedards of the world. Not only are they gifted, they also work harder than anybody else. Like you're disciplined. Yeah. You look at Sidney Crosby is the perfect example. He gave up so much to be how good he is. And that's just the price you have to pay for greatness. And this guy, without kind of trying to put too much pressure on him, he's poised to be one of the best players in our game. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, you know, when you're comparing him to other generational talents, I don't have him ahead of Connor McDavid, and I, I don't think uh, most people do. Even The Athletic did an article asking people to kind of rank top generational guys, and Connor McDavid's still the one just because that the skating is what separates him, right? Like Connor McDavid is the greatest skater in the world, and I don't think it's particularly close, right? So that's tough to beat. Um, but he's just so good in every area. And what he does that I love is when he has the puck – he attacks multiple players. And then from there, the opportunities are endless. Like he can dangle through three players with ease, or let's say he has a guy covering him one-on-one really tightly. And then another guy comes and now there's two-on-one. Well, sure. You may think, okay, we've got Connor Bedard locked up, but he's such a good playmaker. All you've done is create a wide open lane in a dangerous scoring opportunity for one of his teammates. So he can pass that off with ease. He, he can do like the perfect example of this Ross was that world junior goal up against Slovakia for the overtime winner. Like not a, like even they needed to, I was watching the highlight of that. They should have rewinded it and started the replay earlier. I think he had, five, you would have, yeah, I would have replay guy. Um, he, I think he had five shots on goal on that shift. And what he did is every time he tried a different shot and then it didn't work. And he's like, okay, I'm not just going to rip it. I'm going to go through the whole team and then deke out the goalie. That's what I'm going to do next. And that's what he does. Like he, you just, you cannot stop this kid. He is so damn impressive.
we've probably lasted long enough before saying he will go to Chicago first overall. That team stinks. They traded away their most talented player, Patrick Kane. Although he's a free agent, get the tinfoil hat on. Would Patty Kane go back to Chicago to play with this kid? Absolutely not. He's our, like all you have to do is after locker cleanout for the Rangers, a reporter asked him that, and he was like dumbfounded. He was like, "Back to Chicago? Like I didn't. That's never even crossed my mind. Like they're rebuilding. I don't know. <laughs> like it was hilarious how like you th- you'd think he might be prepared to answer that question, but it hasn't even crossed his mind. So that's not happening." So they will be going out and getting free agents this summer, and it will be a lot easier to do. Yes. So Chicago's already a place the players want to play. The United Center, when it's full, oh. is one of the best. Uh, well, you would know. I, I can tell you, Ross. That that's that was my Sen Central standout for that game was the United Center. Like when people talk about the anthem, I, I had chills, like goosebumps. I, I it was incredible. The atmosphere is great. The rink is great. It's the United Center is top in the league for sure. And that's where he'll be playing 41 games next year. Now, we have a a thing up here that I'd like people to discuss in the comments below. How many points do you foresee Connor Bedard getting in his rookie season, right? It's hard because we don't know which free agents or who's going to be on his line. It's not like it's handed to him who's going to be with him. But I wouldn't be surprised, let's put it, if he gets 65 points. Yep, for sure. Yeah, and I mean, a a perfect example of this, Ross, is he didn't have a lot of help in Regina. So it's not like this kid needs the help. Um, yeah. Not, I'll, not playing against future farmers and insurance brokers uh, anymore, though. <laughs> yeah, probably probably not. Um, I'm going to go. I think he hits 70 easy, no well, matter who his teammates are. Uh, teed up from uh, Zaitsev on those breakout passes, too. Huge. Huge. He'll probably be able to handle those passes as though they're crispy, right? Right on the tape. Yeah, Zaitsev's like, "Okay, I gotta bang this off the ice and uh, bang this off the glass and ice it here." And Kadar just knocks it down, breakaway. Yeah, hundred <laughs> percent. So, what, nice pass, Nikita. What are you putting the over under at? I'll say seventy. Seventy. Just show it. Like number one attribute for Connor Bedard, it's the shot. Number two, it's the hands, the creativity, the hockey IQ. I, I disagree, Ross. I don't think his top attribute is the shot. It's his hockey IQ. Like, and and the fact that he's, like, he is a, an amazing shot. Don't get me wrong. But that's not where it all comes down. It's the fact that he can maneuver through an entire team in one shift. Like, he's done that numerous times that he doesn't even need to have that good of a shot because he can put himself in such a good position. So I think his top attribute is the hockey IQ. It's insane. It's so good. Yeah. So good. And uh funny connection, and maybe some people would, would know this, but the uh, the PR guy for the Regina Pats is actually from Ottawa. So there's a bit of a connection. His mom and my mom know each other a little bit. So uh, he's just talking about what how- What are you saying, Ross? What are you saying here? Well, no, I'm just saying that like from an off-ice perspective, like just like he is, he's making sure this guy is going to the draft with him. Like he, that's the kind of guy. Like he wants to bring everybody with him oh, along. Nice. He's just that kind of guy off the ice, and he's just gonna, he's gonna be a star right away. There's, yeah. there's very little doubt in my mind that Connor Bedard is gonna be a superstar in this league sooner rather than later. Now, what are the scouts saying about him? Mitch Brown from Elite Prospects says a prospect who continues to get better when it doesn't seem possible. Co- uh, Craig Button with TSN calls him a generational player like Bedard, makes Chicago a future cup contender. And Rachel Dory says anyone who doesn't have Bedard first is going right to, da- to jail, followed up by saying, don't pass go, 
don't get $200 in Monopoly money. You don't get any of that because you're going straight to jail if you don't think Bedard is first overall in this class. Now, the most untouchable draft pick going, nobody's trading that pick. He's going to Chicago. And shout out Hawks fans because you've had a really tough year. I really feel sorry for for how Chicago Blackhawks have had to watch this. No, I don't. I don't. <laughs> I was like, oh, this is interesting. Interesting take, Ross. No, I don't feel bad at okay, all. Good. <laughs> and I'm actually pretty mad that that's where he ended up. I thought Anaheim would have been really cool. Like the Mason McTavish, the junior teammate, all that. And Yeah. It, it, I was cheering for Anaheim as well, Ross. World junior, I should say. Not that Adam Fantilli, who we're going to cover tomorrow, is any slouch. But uh, Connor Bedard, easily. There's There's no bigger gap in the draft than between number one and the rest of the field. Like in individual spots. And uh, Ross, it's hilarious to say that because Adam Fantilli would be a great first overall draft pick. Like it's not, we're we're not downplaying the top five other players. Like we're just elevating Connor Bedard to that status. He's that good. So Hawks fans, you got a great one. The NHL has a great one. And you know, what's really cool. I don't know if it's just by happenstance or, or whatever, but the fact that like all these generational players, it just feels like they always have a unique number that's theirs, right? Like I'm not hundred percent sure he's going to wear 98 in the NHL. Like he did in uh, junior. I think he will. Well, I mean at world juniors, he wore 16. Yeah. So from that standpoint, but right. Like think of all of them, like Mario Lemieux, 66, Wayne Gretzky, 99, Crosby, 87, Daniel you know, Alfredson, 11. Yeah. Well, I mean, Ovechkin's probably the only other one too, where it's like a more normal number, but like McDavid 97, right? Yeah. Like now you've got 98 Connor Bedard. So he's a hell of a player. And as we get closer and closer to the draft, there's going to be lots of debate of who, who goes where, but no one will touch the fact that Connor Bedard will be going number one in this 2023 NHL draft. For more on the NHL draft, make sure you check out locked on senders. We're posting all of those individual player profiles by them. Selves. All right, Pilsy, back to the end of Locked On Senators. We mentioned at the start, it's Pride Month. We're allies. We want to make that very clear here. It ain't that hard to love everyone. So just be polite, be be respectful of everyone else that you meet. That goes every month. So yeah. that's all I really have to say to it. I mean, there shouldn't be – just treat your neighbor the way you want to be treated, period. It's not – shouldn't be that hard. It shouldn't be a political issue is kind of what bothers me. It's like – Respect one another. Don't you get that at the workplace? Don't you get that everywhere? Like, anyways, but it has to be said because clearly it hasn't resonated enough and and they still are kind of a persecuted group of people. Absolutely, yeah. And uh, the thing is, uh, hockey has a long way to go in this regard. And uh, I do believe that the right steps are being taken by most. Um, And I think that that's one thing I'd like to highlight too is I'd almost rather it's focused less on the one guy on a team that is against it and doesn't want to wear the pride jersey and stuff and focus on all the people that are doing the right thing. Cause all you're doing is giving those people a platform and more attention, which they should not be doing. Like, I think I, I forget, it might've been Jeff Merrick, but he, he said, someone said this and it really resonated with me and really think about this is I can't wait for the day Ross that, the pride stories aren't a story. And now before you, you take that and run with it, what I mean is this, like you said, this shouldn't be an issue. Like it should just be given that people are treated with respect and 
you're able to love whoever you want to love and that it shouldn't be under a magnifying glass and it shouldn't be a political issue. That Like, that's what I'm saying with that is I can't wait for a day where that's just obvious. So everyone just do what you can this month to show your support, be an ally and just be, be respectful. Just be a good human being. We're all human beings at the end of the day, and it would be great if everyone could just treat each other with that same respect. All right, Pills, any final thoughts you have on today's show? Final thoughts for me is I am very excited for the Stanley Cup Finals to get going here. Like, this has been way too much time in between series. And, like, Ross, I almost, like, forgot that it was happening. I was like, oh, yeah, like, hockey's over. Like, like let's get going here. I Like, it's the Stanley Cup Finals, so I'm very fired up about this. And I know this is a couple days old, but whoever made that graphic for Bleacher Report and put a a leopard beside Matthew Kachuk as a panther, like Jaguar, dude. So you don't know your cats either. I thought you were a cat guy. Okay, I I don't know. Yeah, I guess so. But I did. I'm not the one making that graphic. Like you should have had the right cat there. So that's uh, they got to work on that. While leopards are covered in mostly solid spots and rosettes, jaguars sport blocky rosettes with distinct internal spots. So we could both be right on that one. How about a panther? What's the difference between a panther? Panthers are just like straight one color, typically. Well, it's like a beige. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Oh, we're learning about cats. A panther is not a single species. But instead, it's a term that most often used to describe a black jaguar or a black leopard. What? But black. <laughs> so I think a, a panther has to be black in color. <laughs> what? So everyone's wrong because <laughs> the Florida Panthers logo is not a black cat. Yeah. Okay. They are the same thing. A black panther and a black jaguar are the same thing. Okay. Can a cougar be a panther? A cougar is a big cat known by many names, including panther. Yeah, see, when I think of a panther, I think of a cougar-type cat. Let us know in the comments. Dude, I'm a little disappointed in you. Final thoughts from me. You should know your cats. (laughs) I mean, I I don't have jaguars and panthers and leopards in my house here. I got a a tabby cat and a British shorthair, so I apologize. Be a lot cooler if you did. (laughs) <laughs> it really would honestly yeah maybe in the future ross i'm uh, i'm getting a little more space coming up here so maybe yeah. i'll get some big cats everybody's moving here you this summer me in the fall mess yeah. building the house out in the ottawa valley like it's uh it's moving time for the locked on senators fellows martian's still on the streets though yeah i mean he's he's got to be connected to the streets so well although that guy's mr international he's in a different state every week i know i know it's crazy um final thoughts for me actually though is um Rach wanted to get a uh, bunny recently. She thought it'd be cute. And I was like, you know that Alfie will kill the bunny. She's like, yeah. oh, no, I didn't think about that. I thought they could cuddle. I was like, he's not going to cuddle with the bunny. And then we're out last night for a walk. A rabbit goes by and the dog <laughs> running as fast as a cougar slash jaguar slash panther. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's a nice idea. Uh, but uh, I don't, I don't know about that. All right, it's June 1st. It's draft month here on Locked On Senators. Make sure you like, subscribe, tell a friend, be a friend, appreciate everybody for all the kind comments on yesterday's episode. And we expect to have more great content coming this summer. So just a quick rundown. The draft month will take up all of June. Then we've got free agency 
really kind of that news cycle time in the first week or two in July. And then after that, we're going to get to interview season, which will include us live at Dev Camp. We are going to bank as many interviews as we can, hoping to get on David Bell again, Pierre Dorian again, DJ Smith. You go down the list of people associated with the Senators. I want to interview the equipment guys, the therapists. I want to have as be many- awesome. As many different voices as we can get on this show, that's our goal for July and August for you guys because this show is nothing without you. But for today, we say goodbye. For Brandon Piller, I'm Ross Levitan, and this has been the Locked On Senators Podcast, your team every day.